0: I'm not going to ask you to sing it this morning, but there's another verse to that song that uh, we used to sing at Laird Hill, the first church I ever served. Only two words, praise God. And you just sing that all the way through. And you just praise God, praise God. And uh, it uh, it just makes the, the conclusion of the hymn so worshipful. And uh, just such a, and the, every time I hear that hymn, I think of a guy in that congregation that always insisted that we sing that. His name was Roy Rogers. He wasn't the cowboy, but uh, he was a great, great man. And I'll just go ahead and tell you Roy at one time had a stroke and was confined to bed and they the doctors told him it well, that was it he was never going to walk again just go home lay in bed and die that's basically what they told him and so Roy went home and it dawned on him that God wasn't through with him yet and he began to pray and ask the Lord to help him and to give him strength and then the next thing you know he was able to sit up in bed then he was able to turn and put his feet over on the side of the bed. Then he was able to stand up on the side of the bed. And then he was able to walk around the bed. Then he was able to walk around his bedroom. And before you know it, O'Roy was up and walking again and doing just great. And he lived many, many years after that. He gave God the glory for healing him. And he had great, great gratitude toward God for all that he had done for saving his soul and restoring his life. I guess if we we're going to talk about the last part of uh, uh, Psalm 103, about he renews your strength like the eagles. Well, that's what he did for Roy. And uh, Roy, uh, he was a quiet man. And you wouldn't see him doing, You you, he he didn't say much, but like I'd come into the church and I'd see his head pop up from behind a counter, kind of like Jack. He was back there, uh, he'd just come in, he saw a door on the cabinet that wasn't working right, and he fixed it. And then there were little ladies, little widow ladies that needed help, needed uh, lights fixed and fixtures fixed and things like that he didn't say a thing about it he wasn't out after uh, any sort of glory for himself but he took care of whoever he could take care of and wanted no publicity for it whatsoever because whatsoever he found to do he did for the glory of god he didn't sound any trumpets just very quietly went along being god's man finally roy passed away uh, Clearing brush. He just fell over and died. His heart just burst and he was gone. The Lord was so gracious to uh, give him extra life and productive years to his life. And uh, in addition to that, let him go home active. And uh, I just hope that uh, we can all go home doing what we really feel that we were called to do and uh, to be the blessing and example to others that Roy was to me and to all the people around him. To me, he exemplifies stuff and he loved to sing the praise God, praise God. That's about the only two times I ever hear him speak up in church was uh, that. And then another time I remember uh, Jimmy Carter was the president back then. And I just happened to ask in the service, OK, if uh anybody came up to you and said take me to your leader would you take them to jimmy carter or jesus and he piped up and said i don't know jimmy carter inferred that he did know jesus you know that's the only two times i really heard him you know it was that they spoke up in church was uh, to insist we sing praise god praise god and then that well uh, we are looking at the 103rd psalm And we're looking at a part of it that is extremely important to me this morning, because this is the heart of the Christian life. It was the heart of David's life. Whenever he says these words, we find in 103 verse uh, 4, where he says in Psalm 103 verse 4, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. Who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. Now, this was written toward the end of David's life, and he's kind of doing a life review as he goes through, as he gives this psalm. And he's looking back on his life and he sees how God has blessed him and how God has been faithful to him, even when he hasn't been faithful to God. And so he says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. And don't forget all of his benefits. And this is one of the major benefits who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. Who crowns you. Now that word crown, you know, it sounds like he's just putting something on your head, but that word crown uh, means to surround, to encircle, to encompass. Uh, Whenever in the new Testament, it says that we're surrounded by A great cloud of witnesses. It's the same connotation. Uh, The best example that I could find from scripture was the story of the prodigal son. You want to see him being crowned with loving kindness and compassion. Remember that moment when the youngest son is on the way home. And his father is there looking. And he spies him when he's a long way off and he runs to him, and he hugs him, and he calls for a robe to be put on his shoulders, and a ring to be put on his finger. When he hugged him, he was crowning him with loving kindness. When he ran out to him, he was crowning him with compassion. It was compassion that caused the son to rush, it caused the father to rush to his son. He was, the son was experiencing being crowned with loving kindness when the father who could have just turned his back on his son instead put a ring on his finger and a robe on his shoulders and brought him back fully into the kingdom of God When he was sitting there in that party that was thrown, celebrating him being back with his family again. He was being crowned with loving kindness and compassion. Well, who crowns you? It's almost it's almost like a big hug, you see. And what does it crown you with? Loving kindness. I like the fact that kindness is put on the end there because some people have trouble with love. Some people have had other people tell them that they love them and then been hurt deeply by those people. Some people have been hurt deeply by people who are supposed to love them and don't or haven't. And so there's some people that... Love is something that they try to stay away from, because in order to love, you have to open your heart up to someone. And some people have a hard time trusting God and trusting that he is good. Jesus knew this, and I think that's why he uh, said what he did in Matthew, the seventh chapter, whenever he says, or what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? We have a hard time trusting God, and yet Jesus reassures us here, he's not going to give you anything bad. So don't listen to it whenever people tell you, oh, be careful what you ask for because you just might get it. That's just to discourage you from coming before God with your trouble. Whatever he gives you, it will be good. It will not be bad. Loving kindness Whenever you love someone, you desire the good for them. You want the best for them. You want to help them have the best possible life that they can have. Kindness. Friendly, generous, considerate, loving kindness. Who crowns you with loving kindness. And he crowns you also with something else. With compassion. With compassion, tender mercy is the way that's translated Sometimes It's also whenever you just moved and you feel for someone or you're filled with empathy for what someone is going through. And this is another thing where some people feel that God is just way out there and he's distant and he has no connection with us. And yet, Jesus, whenever he walked and saw the crowds. It says he was moved with what? Compassion. He was moved with compassion for the needs of the people. He said they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he was he felt for them. It says that we don't have a high priest who uh, uh, is is just like an earthly high priest. That uh, we have a priest that didn't just take the offering in. We have a priest who became the offering. And it says that we have a a high priest who has been touched by the feeling of our infirmities in Hebrews. And if there's anyone who knows what it feels like to be here, it's Jesus. And this is why I've said this to you before. I'll say it again. I love the uh, uh, ascension. And when we celebrate the ascension, because Jesus was resurrected bodily. The body that was killed on the cross is the body that rose from the dead. And that is the body still bearing the scars, apparently, because he showed them to his disciples. That's the one who ascended and now sits on the right hand at the throne of God. He's the one that's going to judge the living and the dead, but he knows what it's like. And so whenever you pray to God, you're not praying to some unfeeling entity that's out there that has no idea what you're going through. He has been there. He knows what it's like. Many, many years ago, I heard about a a train wreck that had happened and someone, I think it was a woman, was walking along outside she had survived and she was just walking along outside the train wreck just yelling where was god when my son died where was god when my son died and someone else who had survived the crash said ma'am i think he's probably he was the problem the same place as he was when his son died he's been touched with the feeling." of our infirmities. He knows everything we have been through and he cares. He crowns you. He surrounds you. He hugs you with his tender mercy, with his loving kindness. He uh, is a God that is compassionate. This God, he is our creator. He knows our very being And he's the one that determines what's really important in life. The really neat thing about all this is that he cares enough for you to want to come and just envelop you personally in his love. This is what happened to the founder of our denomination, Finally, after he had worked and worked and striven and tried and, uh, had found, had been a founder of the Holy Club and all that sort of stuff and had the, the method of doing one, two, three, four, five. The stuff that we emphasize in the Methodist Church now is the stuff that, uh, uh, he tried before he found what was really important. He forgot or they, 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 the whole church had forgotten that it all starts with God's love being shed abroad in your heart. It's not a matter of working and trying to please God. It's a matter of serving the God who loves you and gives you life and whom we get so much joy from serving and obeying. It's such a difference. Anyway, John Wesley, he tried and tried, nothing worked. And finally, sitting there listening to what Jesus did on the cross at Aldersgate, he finally all of a sudden says, all of a sudden I felt my heart strangely warmed and I felt Christ did die for my sins. And all of a sudden it all came together for John Wesley because God's love was poured out upon him. In a way that had never come from him trying to get to God. It came when he received what God had to offer. David was referred to as a man after God's own heart. It says, if you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. And David wanted to stay close to God. You'll see all through Scripture, David pleading with God not to hide his face from him, not to turn his countenance from him. He wanted God's face to be turned toward him. He wanted to live in the very presence of God's love. This is very close to me because... I was one of those that searched in a lot of different places and finally came to the end of my rope and my searching as far as what made life worth living. And finally, in desperation, crying out and saying, Jesus, help me. And all of a sudden, he was right there in the room with me. And the best way I can describe the feeling that I felt in his real presence was the way I felt when I go to my grandparents' house. Uh, I was loved just for being me, not for any potential I might have, not for uh, any sort of a great thing I might do for God. My grandparents loved me just for being Joel. And it turns out that's the way God loved me, just for being me. And you know what? That's the way he loves you, not for your potential, not for what he might get out of you, but he loves you just because you're you. And he created you to be you. And you don't have to change a thing about your personality. You just have to accept the fact that he made you who you are. And so if you've been trying to be somebody else, stop it. Stop it. And accept the fact that God loves you, not who you think he thinks you ought to be. So anyway... Whenever you receive what he did on the cross, you can't receive it in expecting that you're going to have to be doing anything for him. All you can do is just receive what he has already done because he loves you and he knew you were going to mess up and he knew that you were going to make not just mistakes. He knew you were going to sin. Let's face it. Let's call sin, sin instead of calling it a mistake like so many people do today. He knew you were going to sin and that you are not going to be able to undo what you had done. So he made a way where there was no way. And when we receive that, all of a sudden our hearts were strangely warmed. Well, David knew what that was like. He knew what it was like to know that presence of God's love in his life. And he does this review, and that's one of the things that he saw was so important. There's another place a few years earlier when David pins another psalm, Psalm 63. And David penned Psalm 63 while he was in the wilderness in Judah hiding out because his enemies were after him. And the greatest enemy that was after him at that time was his son, Absalom. Absalom wanted to take the throne from his father. He wanted to kill his father. And just imagine what it was like for David. Don't you know his heart was broken? Don't you know he'd gone, he'd been over backwards. He had made adjustments for Absalom many times in the past. And this is the gratitude he gets. You ever felt like that with your kids (laughs) or with somebody else where you just bent over backwards for them and then they don't even want to take advantage of you. They just like, they wanted, they don't even care. It's just what they could get out of you that they wanted. Well, David was being pursued to death, to the death by his son, Absalom. And while he's out there in the wilderness, He pins a hymn to God. And in that hymn of the 63rd Psalm, we read the words, Thy loving kindness is better than life. At one of the lowest points in his life, he still knew God's loving kindness. It's something that boils you up and keeps you going. Whenever everything else is gone. In fact, I saw this saying this past week, when you have nothing left but God, you have everything. That's the way it was with me. Whenever all of a sudden, when I knew God's presence in my heart and in my life, I never wanted to be out of his presence again. That meant everything. His love meant more than anything else in life. I never wanted to be out of his presence. I never wanted to be out of his favor again. And it dawned on me, I was going to be giving my life to him. I was going to be living for him from that moment on. And it was going to be so different from the past that people may have thought that I'd lost my mind. And they may put me away in a mental institution. But you know what I thought at that point in time? I thought, well, you know, If people think I've just flipped my cookies and put me away, it'll be because I was being me for you. And if I'm doing that, and that's why I wind up being put away, then you'll be there with me. And it'll be cool because you'll be with me. That's all that matters. I can understand now how a prisoner serving a life sentence can be freed and never get out of the walls of prison. Because his loving kindness isn't just better than life, and it is, it is better than life, but it makes all the rest of life, no matter what it's like, worth living and getting through. And so, uh, I guess I could sum all this up by saying, uh, that the way that you, uh, you feel whenever he has crowned you with loving kindness, it's kind of like uh, in uh, the in CS. Lewis's the last battle, after things are just about all over, the unicorn stamps his foot and says these words, "I have come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I have been looking for all my life, though I never knew it till now. That's what it's like to be in His presence. Whenever you're in His presence and He has crowned you with loving kindness, you are home. And wherever you are is home. Whether it's here on earth and He's with you, you're home. Or whether you get to go be with Him. It's home, but being in his presence is the home we're really all looking for. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. If there are any of you who haven't come home yet, uh, what you have to do is quit trying to get there and just stop and be still be still know that he's God and say Lord I'm tired of running now I want to be yours you do that receive what he did on the cross instead of trying to undo your stuff and all of a sudden you will be home